Very good. Well, Easter is busy. It's a bit like Christmas, but just in the spring. And uh, there's so much happening at Easter with holidays. I mean, just the color, the, the planes are still taking off. We're living in Cookridge. People are still going off on holiday. In fact, lots of people are on holiday because it's bank holidays. So Easter means lots of things. It means families. It means thinking about chocolate and Easter presents. It's, it's just a whole hive of activity, a bit like Christmas, right? That you get to the end of Easter and you're like, oh, I, need an Easter. I need an Easter holiday, and you're back at work. So it is a very busy time. And not only that, we're also going through things that, that life doesn't stop as we go through Easter. So we've still got things like uh, Notre Dame almost burning down during the week. We've got still atrocities being uh, happening daily. This, this morning there were some shootings at a church in Sri Lanka. So we've, we've got, in the midst of Easter, we've got all these things going around. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but there's just so much, so much going on. It takes a bit of time just to focus on what, what are we doing? Why, what, what is Easter all about? Because you get to the end of it and you're a bit, you know, rushed and busy. And today we have a moment just to get to the heart of what the Easter message is. And ultimately, the Easter message and the Easter story is a message of hope. It is a message of hope for all mankind, for everyone, everywhere. This is not a message for English people. We sing, thine be the glory. It sounds quite nationalistic, doesn't it? Actually, that hymn resonates deep in our hearts because it's true. And the songs we sing are not just because we're British and, yeah, thine be the glory. Actually, this is truth about a reality that happened in Palestine 2,000 years ago. The crux or the pivotal point of history happened there. That's why those songs evoke such stirring in our hearts because it's the truth, the reality of the universe. Now, what the resurrection and the Easter story achieved was the destruction of death. The destruction of death. That is why there is hope in the Easter story. Because death was defeated. Now sometimes that line, death was defeated, sounds pretty, it's pretty big and grand. And the Easter story sometimes needs a bit of explaining. That's why it's helpful to read later on in your Bibles. Because a lot of the, the people who were teaching afterwards kind of help make sense of it. So they kind of explain what happened and and uh, we read the story, and then later we get some explanation from people like Paul and, other, and Peter and other writers of the New Testament. They explain what's happening. So we're going to look at one of these uh, statements from Paul as he writes to Timothy, who is his young apprentice. And he, he, he's, he's a real father, Paul is, to Timothy. And he's writing to help him because he's leading a church, and, and he's a bit timid, he's a bit frightened, and he's, and he's young. And so Paul writes him things that really help him to explain the message and to, and to lead the church well and with power and grace. And so this is what Paul writes to Timothy about the resurrection. So this is uh, on the screen, I hope. The next line, this is it. It's in green. Note that. You like that? Green, spring, Easter. I had it in red. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's white. That's Christmas. So this is great. This is about life. So this is what Jesus has done. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us before the beginning of time. 
but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That is the Easter message. Not the whole story, but what it actually meant, what it achieved. Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus' death answers the big questions, the big ones. You know, the ones that confuse humanity since time began. Cows ruminating on grass do not ponder their existence. They are not existential. They don't, they don't think about those things. Animals have no souls, but human beings are different from all the rest of creation. And when God made us, he said, it is very good. We were made in the image of God. Eternity is in our hearts. We know that there is something more than just this life, than just eating and drinking and flesh and blood. We know deep in us that there is a God. And the Bible writes about that, but what it says is that we have suppressed that. We have stuffed it down with everything we can to run away from a creator who has authority and control over our lives. The Bible says all of humanity has run away, has gone astray. The example of sheep going, I mean, lambs all the moment, great. They just, they're going astray. It's like, come on, we've got to bring them back in. So Isaiah paints a picture of humanity being like that. We've all gone astray. There's no one righteous. No one can claim to have been perfectly straight in their life. That is the condition that we find ourselves in. And this is why we need Jesus, and this is why we need the Easter story. These questions that we have are questions about meaning of life. Why, we, why do we exist? And we all have them. They just come at different times in our lives. Sometimes we squish them down. Sometimes they come early. I remember as teenagers talking about these kind of things, my friends, and my daughter is 16 yesterday, and her friends love talking about this. I'm like, wow, they love talking about those things, partly because, well, some of them have suffered a bit, even in those young 16 years, but they've not had a lot of life experience yet, so the questions are still at a kind of big question level. Well, it can't be like this, and so they have good arguments, and, and it's like that. When you get a bit older, you've had a bit more experience, a bit more time, a few more knocks, a few more challenges to your life. And so the questions start to change and we realize something is not okay. Something is not okay with me and actually something is not okay with the world. When you're 16, the world looks pretty, pretty bright. The future is, is good, young, fit, healthy. But when you get a bit older, my dad's age, a few more things, a bit more water under the bridge. Maybe the person you'd wanted to be isn't quite the person that you you see when you look in the mirror and life has thrown you some curveballs things have happened that are very difficult and painful and looking at the news for years and years and years makes you question humanity and the world and why why is this such a mess so those existential questions change as you grow older and Jesus answers those questions Jesus, he says, has destroyed death and brought life and immortality. So the Easter message is hope for life now. The Easter message is hope for this world now. And before we understand the hope of the resurrection, 
we must see the human soul in its state of profound ruin. He said that again. We must see the human soul in its state of profound ruin. Why would we need restoration if we were not ruined? If we were perfect, we were fine. We wouldn't need a savior. So the Easter message hinges upon the fact that we need rescuing. We need a savior. We need someone to help us. And so the Easter message deals with this. All people undergo a process of spiritual formation. No one escapes this, from the most hardened criminal to the most devout person. Everyone through their life has has transformed, has changed. Some for better, some for worse, but everyone has changed, has been transformed. And what was meant to be glorious and and powerful and and loving and gracious and life-giving has sometimes become closed and callous and hard and abusive and what was meant to be magnificent that God had created to be good to rule over creation has has changed and all humanity has fallen and is in ruins it's in Norfolk and there's a great abbey that once stood there and uh, we walked around it but I thought it'd be this big abbey it's not it's the ruins of a big abbey that was their place. It was like a priory. It was a center for, for help for the community. It was a place for the homeless to find a bed. It was a place where uh, young men and could find a skill and a trade and get back on their feet. This was a magnificent priory for worship, for restoration, and for change in the community. All that was left was some crumbling pillars of once were mighty arches reaching to the sky. There was a ruin where there was once life and, 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 and a promise of a future and life and help for those who were seeking redemption and seeking help. There was something majestic about those broken down tall pillars. There was echoes of a grandeur and a dignity and a purpose that once was there. A magnificent ruin. See, G.K. Chesterton says that the hardest thing to accept in the Christian religion is the great value it places on the individual soul. Even in its ruined condition, a human being is regarded by God as something infinitely worth saving. That is the scandal of Christianity. That God so values the human soul, that they are infinitely worth saving. Sin does not make a person worthless, only lost. Sin does not make you worthless, it makes you lost. And in its lostness, it is capable of great strength, creativity, dignity, and heartbreaking beauty. Sin has left our language. So today the horror of our ruin is hidden from polite and enlightened conversation. So we don't talk about sin because it's, it's not polite. It's not really the topic of, of, of chat shows and talking about why all these things are happening. We don't go there. Sin is a condition of the human self not available philosophically or ethically to explain why life proceeds the way it does. Why do marriages fall? 
Why do we have such massive problems with substance abuse and physical sex abuse? Why are the thinkers who are supposed to know so much about these things, why are they such a loss to explain why they're happening? Because actually the real source of our failures and the failures of the world lies in our choices. Choice is where the potential for sin dwells. This human sin that is creating these terrible situations. But the chat show host never mentioned that. So we're lost because no one actually deals with the real issue at the heart of humanity. And this is why the Easter message is so important. Because the Easter message cuts right through to the real heart of the human condition. And Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life evermore. So Jesus is reaching in and he left heaven and came to die as a savior to rescue us and to give us the life and to restore the ruins that were so broken. And that is why he came. We have stopped trusting God. We have become God. That is why there's such a problem. Humanity has stopped trusting the one true God and turned to ourselves. We become God. We become in charge and in control of our own destinies. We call the shots. Trusting God is exactly what is missing from the ruined heart. Human beings have always known there is a God. They have learned to some degree what he is like, but we are not pleased that he should have the most exalted place in the universe and be Lord of their lives. I want to read a little bit of a description of a well-known program called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, Yancey writes this, the historian of Alcoholics Anonymous titled his work, Not God. Because, he said, that stands as the most important hurdle an addicted person must surmount to acknowledge deep in the soul not being God. No mastery of manipulation and control at which alcoholics excel can overcome the root problem. Rather, the alcoholic must recognize individual helplessness and fall back in the arms of a higher power. First of all, we had to quit playing God, concluded the founders of AA, and then allow God himself to play God in the addict's life, which involves daily, even moment-by-moment surrender. I don't know about you. It doesn't actually just describe alcoholics. I think that describes us in our proneness to addiction and astrayness. We all know that actually we have to begin with that, I am not God, and yield that word, surrender to him. Man is proud. Man is proud and arrogant and trying to build a tower to God. We will be great. And God says, I will rescue you because you are so in desperate need of a savior. Life may be not what you wanted. And the choices that you made have now led to pain, brokenness, job situation that you thought, I didn't think I'd be here. Family situation is broken, difficult. We all need hope, hope for this life. And at the resurrection, Jesus conquered death 
and through that conquering gave us life. So that now, through Jesus, there is power to change. This ruined soul can be transformed by the power of Jesus. Only his power can change us. It is a gospel of grace, of good news for us. That's why we speak about good news. Easter is good news. In Japanese, there's two letters, Japanese characters. And you know what those characters stand for? Happy sound. So the gospel in Japanese translates as happy sound. So the gospel is a gospel that has hope for your life. What is broken and lost and ruined through repentance and surrender to God can be transformed and the ruin can be restored. Hope for life. Destruction of death leading to life and immortality. So the next thing that Jesus' death deals with is immortality. And this is important for us because as human beings, that is the biggest existential question. What happens when we die? Where is this going? There is meaning and purpose in this life. We know there's more than just this, right? At some point, unless you're totally, everything is suppressed and you're locked up and you don't allow anything in, there's going to be a little crack of light where God's, you can't can't suppress what God has put in you enough. And there's always a little bit that will pop out because God is in heaven and he is the creator and he knows you and he loves you. He loves all mankind and he made everyone in his image. And so in us, we know there is something beyond. All the generations and great civilizations had it. The Egyptians, the sun god, Ra, they were looking. All those civilizations throughout history, there's something more, something more, something more. There's always that quest for life beyond the grave. Why? Because there is life beyond the grave. Because we are eternal beings. We are spiritual beings. We have a soul. That's why it said there are souls lost at sea. It was talking about the person. We are not just uh, living this life and then we die with our body and that's it. No, the Bible tells us and God created us to last forever. We are spiritual beings. We are eternal beings. That's why there's such horror of hell because it's eternity without God. We all live forever. And the Bible is very clear. That's why we need a Savior because at the moment we've all gone astray and we're all heading for a life of separation from God. That is why the Bible calls it hell. It is the most unimaginable place to be away from light and love and grace and the mercy of God. So this is why Easter matters. And this is why the Easter story connects with the most important thing, the deepest question in the human soul. The ruined soul is still questioning, I wonder what's next. I wonder what happens. And I read this week of a man talking about his wife. It's a tragic story. But at the end, talking about, I hope you found your angel's wings. And I, 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 I understand the sentiment. Of course, it's people are, are, are grappling. It's not like, she doesn't have angel's wings. That's not what I felt. I felt, oh, there is hope beyond this life. And people are searching, desperately wanting something, meaning and future for their loved ones in the next life and for themselves. Jesus conquered death. And in him, there is power and resurrection life for the future. I want to finish by reading a, uh, 
just a snippet of conversation that uh, Mary, that Jesus had with his friend called Mary. Uh, when you read the New Testament and when you read the stories, of the gospel stories, it's great. They're called the gospels. It's like the happy sound again. You read them and it's, and it's happy. There's a lot of tragedy and difficulty and human condition and Jesus and questions and answers. But ultimately, it's a happy sound because at the end, Jesus triumphs and brings everything around and right. But during it, we have such highs and lows and emotion and challenge. And Jesus is with his best friends, Mary and Martha and their brother, Lazarus. And Lazarus dies. And it's such a tragedy. And Jesus himself is, is distraught. He was his friend. And he weeps. It's an amazing uh, description of that. But what we have recorded are Jesus' words to, to Mary afterwards. And uh, it's, it's an amazing account because... Whilst he is so empathetic and, and so loving towards her, he's also speaking truth that is, that is cosmic and that is, that is everlasting. So he uses the, uh, he, not uses, that's the wrong word. He, into a situation of tragedy and mourning, Jesus brings that life of hope to, to Mary. And this is what he says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Mary? Do you believe this, Mary? I was working through that sentence. It's like, is he saying the same thing twice? Or I mean, it's just Jesus' mastery of, of language and of concept and, and truth is amazing. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. What that's saying is that when we believe in Jesus, we will carry on living even though our body dies, right? I think that's, that's kind of what he's saying. And whoever lives by believing in me shall never die. I think he's kind of you know, adding for effect. And by the way, if you live by believing in me, you will never die either. So there's this kind of double whammy of believe in me and you will live. And the transition when this body is decayed and broken and life goes out of it, that is not the end, but we will carry on living. Though he die, yet he will live. That is the Easter message. Jesus Christ conquered death so that we might live because now death has no power over us because we died with Christ and we are raised with him. The power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. It's about power. The resurrection is about life and power. God was at work. A cosmic combustion happened there and changed the course of history from all people who were before to all people who will believe afterwards. That was the moment that Jesus redeemed and restored the ruined humanity that anyone who cries out, I am not God, I need rescuing. Jesus comes quickly and saves them. The power of God, the life of God is infused into us. We are alive. Our spirit is alive. It was dead. And then life comes in and we're alive forevermore. It is a, it's a miracle and an incredible thing. We are still working, eating, breathing, talking, watching football. But there's life in us. Our spirits are made alive to God. And the ruin 
that we know was there is now hope for transformation. And our life changes because the power of God is at work. This is the glory and the wonder of Easter. We have life in this life. Jesus said, I came that you have life and life to the full. So the Easter message is life and immortality. It's both. It's now and then. It's this this waiting but will be fully revealed and restored. So we have snaps, shots, and touches of eternity now. But then we will know fully. Now we have a little taste. Then we will now impart. Now we have some sense of transformation. 45 years old, and I'm still making the same mistakes. But there's some change, some transformation. It's slow, ask my wife. It's very slow. But this message of Easter gives me hope that in this life, I, 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 can, I can still change. And I can still be the man that I want to be. And in your situation feeling like, oh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just like this. I can't change. I can't stop. The Easter message is one of hope that God can change you. He can change your marriage, can change your situation. God is at work now. Life. And then, life evermore. We have a glorious hope that when we die, we will not die. We will live. I love that. Jesus says, you will not die. You will live. Yeah, but I thought you just said you'll die. No, you will live. Your soul, your spirit will live on forever with God in the most indescribable. You think this was a nice weekend. Wow. I mean, there is going to be glory and wonders and eternity with God as God intended it to be. Remember, these images of black holes that we're finding and the billions of galaxies, these all display the greatness and handiwork of God. These are not suddenly to come up with an actually, it was that that made us. No, 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 no. All these Pictures that are incredible. And all these new stars that they find will only point to the majesty and greatness. They only make to serve our God even bigger and greater and more majestic because he is above all things. And in him all things hold together. And he decided to come to earth and to send his son to rescue a ruined humanity who had lost their way. And all that we need to do is repent. It's not a good modern word, repent. Again, like mentioning sin. Oh, why are you saying that? But we know it. We know we're ruined and we're lost. Like the alcoholics. They know, I, I just can't do this. They're real, aren't they? We're not. We fake it. They're real. They know, I can't do this. I'm stuck. Okay, I need you. I give up. We need to recognize our own humanity. Can I have the band up, please? So, I'm going to finish with that phrase again. That Mary said, that Jesus said to Mary. And give us a chance to respond to what we've heard. And there are two responses to the message. There's a response to say, actually, no, I'm fine. Cheers. Thanks a lot. That's okay. It's all right. But what we're doing, and what we say, and what we talk about at church is, We want you to know the truth about life and the world and that there's a Savior who loves you and died on the cross to give you life and immortality because we are so desperate and needy of a Savior. The other response is to say, you're right. This is not my words. This is the truth of Scripture. To say, I am a ruin. I know that. I can't do anything about it. I've been trying. And I know today 
I just, I just know I need you. And I don't have anything to say. I don't know what to do. Let me just say, this is the good news of grace. Remember what it says in it. It says, this good news is about not something that we did, but because of his great love and purpose and grace. He has saved us, not because of anything we did, but because of his own purpose and grace. There is grace for you today in Jesus. Come and believe. This Easter, believe in Jesus, that he can heal you, he can save you and rescue you and give you life and immortality. Let's stand together. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is the question at Easter. Do you believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? Let's respond to him.